Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. We have an action-packed show for all of you today. I can't wait to argue with JT about a bunch of topics. So let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Feeling good until you said that you want to argue with me. Why would you want to do that? Because I always win. <laughs> is that so? That is. Damn. That is. Clearly, you haven't listened. To, you haven't looked at the reviews that people have left us. I don't think that's the case. Wow. I, I don't go back and listen to the to the media. I don't listen to the media. I don't. If they I don't, ain't listening I don't to read, you either. I don't read. <laughs> I don't read press clippings. Wow. All right. Of my own success. There's a lot about your prep for the show. I get it now. Listen, we both know I prep way more than you do. It's in the stats. It's in the research. So forget about it. All right. So mm-hmm. let's let's start the show, JT. Enough of the bickering. Notre Dame, Clemson. Notre Dame pulled the upset of Clemson last Saturday night in double overtime, 47-40. Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence and started true freshman DJ Uyagalele. I got it right. You impressed? Did you? I don't I know, did. man. Uyagalele. That's how you say it. Hey, look, oh. I'm not trying to pronounce that. I'm just going to call him DJU, but I'm impressed that you actually attempted and did that. And got it right twice. So the first question, we got a bunch of questions on this game. But first, if Trevor Lawrence was playing, would Notre Dame still have won? That's such a Monday morning quarterback question because everybody assumes that, you know, Trevor Lawrence, any game he plays, they're just not going to lose. 95% of the time, you're probably right. But just watching this game, I feel like Notre Dame was the better team that day. And it's just, they were at home and they just had the momentum working in their favor. And the backup, I mean, you said his name, DJU. It's not like he played terrible. What, he threw for over 400 yards and two touchdowns? I mean, he played a good game. Could Lawrence have done better? Yeah, probably. But, I mean, Notre Dame still played well on offense. They did what they needed to do at the end of the game on defense. Um, I just really came away from that game more impressed by Ian Book than anything. And I felt the team that had no pressure on them won. Notre Dame has no pressure whether they win or lose. Clemson, they're projected to win it all in a weekend overall college football season. So, I don't know if Lawrence – definitely gets them a W in that situation. Well, you bring up a great point. Notre Dame did play a great game. So taking nothing away from them, I think take away something. from. I think they definitely earned the victory at the end. And listen, you can't fault them because Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence, right? It doesn't take away from what Notre Dame did, but I'm going to say that Notre Dame would not have won this game if Trevor Lawrence was playing. And this is why JT Clemson had the ball 
with a little less than 2.30, I believe, to go, or right around 2.30, 2 minutes, 30 seconds left at midfield after Clemson stopped Notre Dame on a turnover on downs. Right there is where I think Trevor Lawrence wins the game. Clemson would never, under Trevor Lawrence, have given that ball back to Notre Dame. They would have got a first down right there. Ball game would have been over. Instead, Clemson punts. Notre Dame gets it, ties it up, wins in double overtime. So that's the difference. DJ played a great game. Not taking anything away from him either. But a hell of a game. Yeah, but if Trevor is there, I still think it's a tight game but he finds a way to convert on that third down and Notre Dame never gets the ball again. Or he doesn't. So the Jets think he looks bad and they lose anyway. No, I think Clemson wins with Trevor. All right, whatever. So after the Notre Dame victory, students rush the field in the, in the field by all TV camera angles that we could see JT. Uh, it just looked full packed to the masses. And so The question is, should there be any consequences to the team, the football team of Notre Dame, or to the university? I'm glad you said that because I thought the same thing when I saw this live. It seemed like a sold-out crowd basically rushed the field. You couldn't even see the ground. Ridiculous. Uh, I think you got to give some sort of punishment to Notre Dame because this is exactly what people were worried about with having not only a college football season – but allowing fans in the stands, these are kids. So I'm I'm not sure if they're following safety protocols while on campus. Pretty sure that's not 100% going on. Now you have those kids off an emotional victory. I mean, any other time, but now, yeah, rush the field, tear down a goalpost. I mean, you just beat Goliath. But you don't – they're not testing the fans <laughs> and the players. They're already under scrutiny. So now you're mixing the two everybody's just, you know, around each other with no masks, just random people. This is, I, I know it's a serious situation, but I laugh at this word in my house when we hear it because it, it sounds funny, but it's really serious. This is the definition of a super spreader event. Like Everybody was in close proximity with no rules. I, honestly, if Notre Dame comes out of this with zero COVID tests over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to really raise an eyebrow to the testing system for the college athletes. Well, you said you think there should be some sort of consequences. Did you list any specific ones or do you have any in mind? Um, how do you punish a college team? Because the season's already kind of jacked up anyway. So it's not like you can, they can forfeit a game. Like, are you going to take away, you know, an ACC title shot? I mean, you're going to take away scholarships. Like, how do you punish a college football team? It's not like you can take away draft picks or, you know, cap space. So what do you do? So basically you're saying they're, they shouldn't and they won't get punished. They should, but they won't. How, how do you – what would you recommend? You're more of, well, the, you're well, more I, of the, the father figure than me. Like how, how would you punish your kids in this situation? Well, I'm glad you asked because I think it's truly hard to answer the question. And instead of punishment, I think that why doesn't the NCAA come up with security protocols for all teams for fans – especially with rushing the field. Well, how like, the hell is how the hell is you not rushing the field not in the guidelines in the first place? Okay, I'm glad you asked that because let's focus on the safety part again instead of the punishment here. Let's try to help the students in Notre Dame, meaning why don't why they should have anticipated this could happen, right? You've got the number 1 team coming in. Notre Dame has been known for the since under Brian Kelly to lose these type of games. 
So you knew they would rush if they would win. And there was a chance because Notre Dame's a good team. Let's not, let's not forget about that. And then also Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. So why not? And you see it all the time in basketball now. They'll mm-hmm. literally line the court with security in a yellow, in yellow um, rope. Now, I understand the yellow rope wouldn't do anything here. But if there's security around there, and you should have left, again, 10 to 15 rows probably from the sideline or the very first row up, right? So you could see who's coming down. It, it just not a good look for college football Poorly or college executed. sports or the University of Notre Dame. And so some of it, I think, falls on the NCAA. They should have had protocols in place. Hey, Notre Dame, what are you going to do to prevent? And this should be for all schools. What are you going to do to prevent students from coming on the field? Now, interesting enough, JT, now, since that game, they're not, they're not blaming the game for this rule, but now Notre Dame has required all students at the university to test before leaving, for camp, or before leaving campus for winter break. If not, JT, here's the punishment. They cannot register for classes. So they need to get tested before they leave campus for winter break. If not, they may not register um, for classes, next semester's classes. Now, what I'm interested to see is if there's going to be a spike in South Bend, Indiana, and – Damn, yeah. how many punishments they, do you have? <laughs> that well, that was uh, there really wasn't a punishment. I told that you that's like a prison sentence. It, so they so so they lose they lose the ability to go to class, all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. But the, the university's already done that. Listen, at the end of the day, they should not have rushed the field. I get it. You beat number one, it's the greatest thing ever. It's emotions, but listen, we're still in a pandemic. You know, get your emotions in check. You can celebrate that outside the stadium with just your friends and in the stands with just your friends. You don't need to rush the field. We get yeah. it. You're Notre Dame. We get it. You beat number one. Yay. You're but you don't need to do that. Because we couldn't do it. But also, too, I mean, to, to your point about kids not being able to register for classes, let's not pretend like Notre Dame is going to turn down the opportunity to earn more money from students. They're not going to be like, well, you got COVID. You can't, I guess you can't pay us that tuition. They're still going to be able to go to class. Well, eventually, but that's the thing. They want you to test. And so is a student willing to take that chance of missing a whole semester and delaying their degree because they don't want to take a test? So they're going to do the right thing and take the test. Mm -mm. We'll see how that goes. So moving on. Now, if Clemson beats Notre Dame in the title game, should both teams, in your opinion, get into the playoffs? If they're both with one loss and it's to each other. This is tricky because it depends on where the rest of the college football top teams are because you already got to assume this is the yearly SEC, you know, predicament. You know, two teams go to the SEC title game. One team has one loss. The other one is undefeated. That one loss SEC team is almost guaranteed 90% of the time to get one of those four playoff spots. To me, it just depends on, Where is Bama? Where is Ohio State? Where is the Pac-12 champ? And where is the SEC runner-up? Like, where are they when this scenario happens between Notre Dame and Clemson? Because any one of those teams will have something to say about it. I don't know if it's going to be as easy to get a one-loss ACC team in there, especially if it's not the ACC champ winner. So I agree with that. It is. It's going to depend on what's going on with all the other conferences and teams. You're right. The other thing I think 
it depends on JT. And let me know what you think. I think it depends on the result of that actual title game between Clemson and Notre Dame. If like Trevor, if it's a, it's a high-scoring event like this one? Well, not just that, but if Trevor Lawrence plays and they win 38-10, to 10, I think it's pretty safe to say that Notre Dame should not get into the playoffs if there's other teams out there that are more deserving, right? right. But if it's a close game, again, 34-31, last-minute field goal by Clemson, hey, Sign me up. I'd want to see a rubber match between these two teams. I'd want to see a third game in the playoffs or in the national title game because then I think that would be no fair to Notre Dame that just because they lost that time and not four weeks before that they shouldn't get into the playoffs. And like you said, it it's going to depend on um, other scenarios in terms of other uh, other conferences as well as if the three other teams are undefeated or not. That might be a big thing. Um, as well so last question staying on notre dame we know how much you love notre dame jt pat <laughs> pat narduzzi uh the head coach of the pit panthers says, oh yeah because i definitely this is what i wanted to talk about but go ahead listen this is a great question this is a great question we're on notre dame here go ahead let's, go ahead let's go ahead, let's go ahead ask the question that i that i wanted to talk about Listen, we, we've got all your other silly questions ahead, so just relax. We'll get to those. So Pat Narduzzi says the ACC should give Notre Dame an ultimatum to either join the ACC full-time in football or not schedule the current five-game ACC schedule each year in football. Do you agree with him? As much as I was just joking about you, about what questions belong to who, this is actually a good question. So I'm going to say he's right, and – it has everything to do with that independent schedule that Notre Dame plays every year. It's just not what it used to be because if you look at the schools that usually hold up that schedule that makes it good for Notre Dame, USC, Navy, and Stanford, those are the games I'm looking at. Those aren't elite programs anymore right now. So they should either join the ACC or don't play at all. <laughs> I don't want a scenario where, like this year, where they could be ducking, you know, potential top teams in the ACC. Like, they're playing Clemson. They got they got unlucky this year, but it's, you know, maybe there's a year where they don't play Clemson, and then, you know, the five games they play helps them get, you know, into the college football playoff. Especially now, I think, with the, with the landscape of their normal schedule, why are they so scared to join the ACC? I mean, you just beat Clemson. That's the biggest team we have. Come and do it full time. Well, you know the reason why is because oh, if, they, if they do that, they'd have to share their NBC money and they probably would not even have a TV contract with NBC anymore because ACC Network. A ACC Network. Where nobody and, watches games. And, and not only that, but the ACC is affiliated with like ESPN and ABC. So, man, I'll, I'll get to my answer. Well, I'm not really going to give you an answer, but. JT, I'm so confused about what just happened, but go ahead. <laughs> you mentioned a, a, a good, an interesting point about, well, the USC's aren't the same, Stanford's not the same. But JT, when Notre Dame plays Syracuse, they're not the old Syracuse. When they beat Wake Forest, come on, no one's getting them confused with Ohio State. So what benefit really besides just five games automatic on the schedule in terms of not having to worry about where to find five games, does the ACC provide – Notre Dame, because Notre Dame can't even play in the ACC title game beside this year. You're telling me they couldn't find five other games throughout the rest of the nation? Of course they could. But this is where the ACC messed up, because right now they hold 
no leverage in the ultimatum that they would give Notre Dame because Notre Dame would say, bye, we're going to find two teams in the Big Ten, you know, one in the MAC, another one in whatever, Conference USA, and we'll add another one in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, whatever. But this is where the ACC messed up because right now it's too late. They should have held Notre Dame's feet to the fire at the beginning of this season with the pandemic. You know why, JT? Because Big Ten canceled, Pac-12 canceled, Big 12, ACC all said, and the SEC basically all said, we're only having conference games. So you know how Notre Dame was going to be able to fill their schedule? They would have been playing like the Utah States every week. Even going undefeated, they're not in the playoffs. What the ACC should have said was, you really need us this year. Right now, Commit to us full-time. Exactly. If not, not one of our teams is playing you. No ACC title game. Have fun going 11-0. First, finding 11 teams you can play. And then, two, when you go 11-0, you beat nobody. You're not getting in. Our one-loss Clemson team will get in before you. That was their chance this year, even if it was for just five years. Or, worst case, say, hey, you share that – you can keep NBC. You're in the ACC. But we're sharing that money. That's what they should have done. Too late now. So Don would have used mafia tactics. I like it. Make them an offer they couldn't refuse. They, they would have had no other choice but to sign up for that deal. Sounds, sounds like a real reassuring, not threatening deal. But can we talk about something that I know you definitely want to discuss, and that's the Steelers. I don't know how this happened. I have a feeling you're going to tell me all the excuses in the world, but we got to talk about your Steelers struggling with the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday. But they came out on top 24-19. to 19. Ben did suffer a knee injury during the second quarter that I thought was serious at the moment, but he was able to come back and finish the game. I, I asked you this on the phone, but I want to hear it in person. Why did the Steelers struggle against the Cowboys, who might be the worst team in the league? That's what we do under Mike Tomlin. If history on these situations under Tomlin Tomlin has shown us anything, JT, it's don't be surprised if the game is close, that the Steelers play down to their competition and possibly lose. Here's some numbers. The Steelers are three and seven against the spread when favored by two touchdowns or more under Mike Tomlin. Now, granted, they are nine and one in those games outright, straight up but against the spread three and seven. So you know what that tells you, JT? It's going to be a close game. You might think it's a blowout, but it's not. Steelers under Tomlin do not blow those teams out. They play down to their competition. And listen, it's the NFL, right? Even bad teams have good games. Look at the Monday night football game. The Jets probably should have won that game, but the Patriots sneak it out at the end. This is the other stat. Under Tomlin, Following a win against Baltimore, the Steelers are 6-6. Six and six. It's a letdown game after beating Baltimore. And so that's, emotional. They're probably so beat up. <laughs> I have it written down. It's physical, it's a mental game, and it's emotional against Baltimore. That's what happened. This was the perfect storm. This was the perfect trap game for the Cowboys to win. They almost did. But Ben, somehow, tough guy able to come back he's the reason why they won that game he if he doesn't come back sorry mason rudolph steelers lose you'd say mason rudolph wouldn't have had a hall of fame performance not in that game uh okay 
I mean, you bring up good points. Ben has notoriously struggled on the road, regardless of who he's playing. I'm just going to take your your advice that you gave me because my reaction was, <laughs> I'm just not buying into them being the best team in the NFL. And this proved oh, why. I, I but, didn't say that. I, no, no, no. I did not me. say that. But Oh, I this is for me. I'm just not buying into it because they're undefeated. I'm just not buying into it. But uh, you brought up a bunch of great stats. So it just sounds like just don't play Baltimore. Don't play play them after they play Baltimore. You got a chance to beat them no matter what. So that's what it sounds like. But at 50, the end of the, 50 shot, 50, 50 shot any given Sunday. But at the end of the day, it remain it, it it is what it is. It happened. You guys almost lost to the Dallas Cowboys in embarrassing fashion. So do you think this is the beginning of trouble or are you not worried at all? So I'm concerned about the running game. This is the second game in a row that the Steelers. Are you concerned not- about the running game or the running back? Because I feel. I the feel- running game. The <laughs> running I, game. Because I, I would be more concerned about Connor than the actual running game. Nah, because if they were that, if they were that impressed by their offensive line blocking and that their running game could get it going, they would throw Snell in there a lot more. They like Snell. They like McFarland. McFarland has the speed. Maybe he starts to see more carries. But this is why I'm worried because it's the second game in a row now. They've gone exclusively to the pass in the second half. JT, they're not even trying to run. That's why I think they're worried about the run game themselves. And they're going five wide, maybe throw you know four receivers in a tight end, four receivers in a running back in, in motion. And they've had – 48 rushing yards against Baltimore, and then 46 against Dallas. This was the Dallas defense, JT. Like, even with James Conner back there, he's still an NFL talent. Like, the line should have been able to open up enough holes for those guys, and they didn't. And what do I say about the Buffalo Bills? You can't win this way if you can't run the ball come playoff time, especially if you're playing the Chiefs. You got to be able to have some sort of time of possession where you're not just – slinging the ball around in the second half you cannot do that you got to keep your defense fresh and be able off to the, slow the game down yeah and, and keep your your defense fresh and off the field and then the other part ben's injury concerns me is he starting to go is he going to start to go downhill from here with little little aches in in injuries here and there the rest oh, of he'll the season just drama queen it out you know he wants that paul pierce moment yeah i mean am i worried yes and it has nothing to do with the offense. I'm worried about the defense. And you brought this to my attention, I want to say, last year. And I've been noticing it ever since. You guys have real issues at cornerback, despite having talent there, like in the secondary. There's real issues with you guys stopping receivers from having big games. I mean, everybody thinks of the Steelers' defense as, you know, the steel curtain of old. Yes, up front, you guys bring pressure. Every game they're having a sack. I mean, the record and the streak continues. But end of the day, you guys can't stop receivers consistently. I mean, there's no way Dallas's receivers should have did anything in this game, given how good this, the Steelers' defense is supposed to be. And it, I'm think you're going to see not having Devin Bush in the middle is going to be an issue. But I think I'm going to disagree with you on the offense. I think, despite the concern about the running game. I think this offense has the potential to be a top five in the league. It's just the talent is there. The receivers are crazy talented. You say Connor's good. I say he's serviceable. That offensive line still has talent and you still have been at the end of the day. So with that, and you know, the defense is not totally horrible, 
it's still a top six team, so I'm not concerned, but um, my eyes are open. It's on watch now. See, I, I, I want to disagree before we move on. I want to disagree with something. Of course you do. Go now, I, I'm not going to say we've got Deion Sanders and Mel Blunt at the corners and Troy Palomalu and Ryan Clark back there, but I think you're kind of wrong with how bad the secondary is. They're really not that bad. You go I didn't, no, no, at, no. I didn't. I didn't. I. Just, I said they should be dominating receivers more than they do. But how haven't they? Besides what Corey Davis and Fugle. I mean, besides those two guys, you go the Browns. Baker Mayfield had 119 passing yards. It's Baker Tan- Tannehill, Tannehill had 220. I mean, Gilbert had a little over 200. You saw what they did with Lamar Jackson. Like, they're not giving up three, 400 yards in five TD games here. Now, granted, they haven't played Russell Wilson or Mahomes, but they, they've done a good job of not giving up the deep pass, in my opinion. I think – They're a bend-but-don't-break defense, so they're going to give up yards. In I that. agree with you on the bend-don't-break, but a couple of things you brought up. One, you've discussed this with me in the past, the, the, especially the cornerback play when giving up you know, plays to receivers is not always elite. But also, too, like you said, they haven't faced a murderer's row of, you know, these explosive offenses. I think part of the reason why the corners and the safeties maybe don't play as well as you think when you think of the Steelers' defense is you guys take a lot of chances with pressure and, you know, having guys in different places. But the, but the payoff with that is, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick's taking his six, pick six the other way. Uh, you guys are getting sacked. So it's kind of, you know, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. But, you know, this is a game where you got to shut them down. This is the Cowboys with no quarterback. You know, they don't have the offensive line they used to. This is this should have been a statement game for the Steelers' defense. I think that's why I'm a little concerned about them. Well, speaking of statement games, the New Orleans Saints, My J- JT, <laughs> they beat the Buccaneers this past Sunday night, 38-3. to I went to bed at halftime because the game was over. And I would have loved to – it have been a very close game to where I would have wanted to stay up, but I went to bed at halftime. Now, after the game, Bruce Arians made a couple comments about Tom Brady's performance, most notably saying that Tom made, and air quotes here, a poor throw to A.B. on a first-half end zone interception. Then Arians went on to to say that Mike Evans didn't get targeted, but, and again, quote-unquote, Mike was open. So, JT, this isn't the first time. All right, Bruce Arians has done this to to TB12 in the media this season. So what are your thoughts on Arians calling out Brady a second time now? I'm legit confused on this for two reasons. One, on one hand, I think it's okay because isn't this what Bill Belichick used to do to him? in New England, like call them out publicly, not to this extent, but basically making an example out of your best player. Tom's all on board with it to show it, to set the example and show to the other players that aren't on his level. Like, Hey, like the coach can scream at me. He can call me out. You can do your job and he can do the same to you. And I'm assuming behind the scenes, Brady is okay with this. He's saying, this is like, you just know, like, this is how you lead sort of like the Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan thing. You can scream at your best player. But part of me also is a little worried that Tom Brady came to Tampa with all this hype, and it just seems everything they've done since he's been there 
it feels like the LeBron effect. Everybody thinks Tom Brady is making the calls on this. You bring in AB, you bring in Gronk, we go get Leonard Fournette. We're doing all these things to appease Tom. I know B.A. is – he wants to win, but he's also that guy, like, look, if you want X, Y, and Z and you talk all this, you better back it up. And I feel like a part of me wants to say B.A. is calling him out a little harshly because he feels like Tom's not living up to the hype that he's created with, you know, kind of running the show and making all these, you know, personnel decisions. So I feel like B.A. is like, look, you want all this input, you better go out there and win damn games. And he's – Hasn't done it against the Saints, and he's looked terrible in another game. It's it's really tricky to me what's going on. But I'm gonna if I had to guess on it, I would say that this is a a discussed and agreed upon plan by the two of them. That this is the way we're gonna you know lead the team to get everybody else to fall in line, namely Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. Well, that's an interesting thought there that you brought up. Where hey, he's having in point, he's he input, he's gonna take the heat. Well. But that's not his job. His job is to be the quarterback. So yeah, but he, but you know, there's one or two times when like guys like him, LeBron, no matter what the yeah, media says, you know, those guys are making I, decisions like this behind. I the know, scenes. but you're still the coach. There's an executive. Oh, PA know he the coach. That's why he's talking like this. The GM that you can't knock him for that. But Belichick would do it in a different way, JT. He would basically indirectly call him out by saying if someone said hey what about Tom Brady's play on this or that we all need to play better right so indicating hey that was not a good play but we all need to play better that's the difference of how they would call out Tom Brady right this was direct like Tom made a bad throw I've never heard Belichick say it that directly yes but here's why direct. I think here's why I think BA is being a little bit different other than the fact that him and Bill, him and Bill Belichick ain't the same type of guy Tom Brady has done little things this year that if you're not the Tom Brady that's like at the peak New England form, you can't do like screaming at offensive linemen on the sideline. Every time he does one of those things to like kind of throw his teammates under the bus this year, I'm like, ooh, I cringe because yeah, these guys respect you. You're Tom Brady, you're the GOAT, but you ain't playing like, you know, TB12 from New England. So eventually, that's going to get old, especially now when you're down two games to the Saints in your own division. So, you're- Yeah, but I'd rather have that, okay, than you bring in someone to replace me the way they did with Antonio Brown. So I'll take all the screaming in the world, but if he did have a say in Antonio coming in, again, I'm telling you, Godwin Evans should be pissed off. The linemen, okay, they get yelled at, big deal. But – He's coming for their job by giving Antonio Brown a shot. Yeah, but like, you can't. So they'll take all the yelling in the world, just don't replace me. But what I want to get back to Bruce Arians here because I think we're focused too much on Brady. Yeah, go to right? Arians. So, like, so what like, is it? What I'm, what I'm saying is you're right. Coaches need to, to be able to, to yell or criticize their best player to get everyone else on board. But this is Tom Brady, like Bruce Arians. What are you doing? I don't hear you criticizing anyone else. Why only Tom? Unless they talked about this is the way it's going to be. I think that's what they did. If if this is an impromptu, spontaneous thing, this is trouble, man. Like, what are you doing? Show the dude some respect. And this is the thing with Bruce Arians. Win something first before you call out Tom Brady. Win something first as the head coach. Does he have any title? I don't know. He wants to be the coolest, smartest, kind of 
best swag. Can't go win, coach yeah, around. best swag guy out there. Win something. Don't call this guy out because I'll tell you who did call you out, all right? Dan Orvlowski of ESPN. Now, you may not respect him because he wasn't the greatest quarterback, but I'll tell you. Yeah, that. I'm pretty sure he don't respect the guy that but, ran out of bounds in the back of the end zone. But he knows his stuff, all right? And he basically said this offense – is not clicking good because the play calling is not good, whether that's Leftwich or Arians. It's not being properly designed for what he has. And he said it was very evident the first one and two series of the game Sunday night. So, Bruce Arians, before you call out six-time Super Bowl champion, future first ballot Hall of Famer, probably the greatest quarterback ever, in the history of the NFL, look in the mirror, Bruce Arians, because you need to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Only parting – last before we move on, the only other reason I think that this is playing between him and Brady is it's not just Brady you hear not complaining about it. You've heard people like Gronk, like people ask him about his role. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to be here. They're basically giving the same New England lip service they would do. But so, that's the thing. That's the thing. They've been trained to do that, JT. If this was another qu- – if this was Ben Roethlisberger, you would never see Tomlin do this the best. Well, I don't think he – I don't think he would uh, would take on Ben Roethlisberger in this way because Ben is – Ben is to be more like A.B. in those situations where he's either going to publicly pout or he's going to go behind the scenes and circumnavigate and, you know, go, go around your back to try to make it his way. I think wow. this is a perfect situation for them. They just look bad in those two games against the Saints, so I think they'll get it turned around. I'm not well, disagreeing with that. But we were the funny thing, we were talking about Bill Belichick. So like let's go up to New England because they're not doing as they're not doing as well and, and they're doing worse than the Bucks looked on Sunday night. So I want to talk about Cam and Bill Belichick. The Patriots somehow came back to beat the Jets on Monday night, 30 to 27. Never thought I'd hear that score during a Belichick era coach team. And like I said, it was not an easy game for the Patriots. Cam had 274 yards passing and two rushing touchdowns. As great as that sounds on paper, you watch the game. Is Cam back? Is Cam back? It does. Do you think he regrets signing with the Patriots? Listen, it's tough to say he is back. I mean, I'm always hopeful. Back Maybe. from where? <laughs> from his past couple seasons. Um, you know, I, I'm hopelessly hopeful. <laughs> um is that, that like can, a, is that like a hopeless romantic thing? Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, don't, I don't know what you mean by that. It, 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 that's exactly what it means. See, he, Except he, the romantic like part, it's more the, it's the like, like your rom-com like quotes and stuff. I don't understand what that means. Well, I'm going to explain it. I'm always hopeful that he can get back to the MVP can. Oh, that but, ain't happening. But the numbers in his play doesn't support it. I mean, str- they struggled against the Jets. All right, They found themselves behind. But – he doesn't have much help still, JT. So I'm not going to say he is back, but I'm going to defend him a little bit. Like, he's missing a lot of pieces on defense, so that's not helping the offense. Well, the team's, then, not, as, the team's not as good. Exactly. He's talk, got no this weapons. is the Patriots. I Jacoby get Myers is his best weapon. Who, he's like, not that bad. I mean, he looks he's, pretty he's good. He's, he's got a future. He's not. But to say that right now, though, that he's the best weapon. He's that, not that's, an alpha yet. Yeah, that should not happen. Like, they're excited to kill Harry is coming back. Nikhil Harry, JT. Like, come on. You know what's, you know what's so funny about Nikhil Harry, though? This is, this is how I feel about him. I think he's terrible. But 
somebody tweeted this earlier this season. I thought it was funny, and it made so much sense. You might not get it. And they were talking about Nikhil Harry, and the guy goes, at some point, I just wish the Patriots would stop drafting Aaron Dobson. And it makes <laughs> sense because every receiver they draft, they all do the same thing. They look the same. They're not that good. And it's just like Malcolm Mitchell. Like a Ma- wasted first-round pick. Malcolm Mitchell was one of yes. them. Yeah, they had a bunch. <laughs> but it started with Aaron Dobson because they all they all thought he was going to be good, and he never turned out to be anything. And I feel like ever since that, all the receivers that they drafted look just like him. Yep. Great. That's that's a good point. Um, it, your la- your second question was, does he regret signing with the Patriots? Definitely not. Definitely not. Like, where else was he going to sign and immediately become the starter at that point? Nowhere. Like, well, anywhere Chicago. He <laughs> what's Anybody that, that actually signed him was going to sign him to be the starter. I think that's why it took so long for him to get a deal done. But that's my whole point is no one else wanted him as the starter. So that's why he wasn't able to sign anywhere. So why would he regret going somewhere that was the only place that really wanted him to make him the starter? Like, that's why he doesn't regret it. Chicago, like, they didn't really want him. So, you know, could he have went to Dallas? Now he could have and started, but not four months ago, right? But even had he gone now, had he waited, done done the Des Bryant thing, he'd be so far behind the curve that – he wouldn't be playing that well anyway. So I I would not regret it if I was him. I mean, I guess he's back. It's the Jets. <laughs> I mean, what more can we take from beating an Adam Gase coach team? Wait, you're saying he is back then? <laughs> I guess. I mean, he, this is the best he's looked in a while this season. And it, it's good to see him smiling, smiling again. I mean, he looks like, like the monkey is sort of off his back. Yeah, he just – I think he – feels to himself now I don't suck as bad as I've been I, I it's not over for me like I can still play this game so it was good to see him have that self-realization in that moment um now I disagree with you about signing with the Patriots I think he does and I think the reason he does is I think any team that he signed with this offseason he was obviously going to try to parlay that into like a short like two or three year deal with somebody else I think he underestimated how much Tom Brady produced without elite talent in New England. Because I think everybody assumes it's the system, it's the system. Belichick makes diamonds out of everything. And Tom Brady is still possibly the best of all time. But as long as I got Bill, there's a chance that he can make me look better. And it's not the case because you can say what you want about the defense. This is basically the same team Tom Brady had last year on offense, same as that guys. And he made it look really good at times. Now, were they as good as they usually were? No, but you see the drop-off between Tom and Cam. They look like a bottom basement team in the AFC East with Cam with the same team that Tom Brady had last last year. And I don't think that Cam expected that. But how can you say he regrets it? Where was he going to play right now? Where'd he be, where would he be playing? Where would he have started for seven games? I don't got time to play Monday morning yeah, quarterback, exactly. but I don't think he's happy. Because it doesn't exist. He ain't, he ain't doesn't as happy exist. as he thought he would be in New England. Because if, if I'm getting told to shut up by Bill and we ain't winning, it's, it's not fun. The answer but, doesn't exist. But something really interesting. Your boy, I know you love him, Bart Scott. Can't wait. <laughs> yep, that's him. He was on ESPN Radio on Tuesday. And he said that he thinks Bill Belichick will leave New England at the end of the season. I've been seeing this also too online. So I definitely wanted to get your opinion. Do you agree with this? Heck no. 
it would if he did this, JT, it would look like he's quitting. It really would because oh, things got too difficult without Tom Brady. He's the out man's the door. Won eighty Super Bowls. He can do what the hell he wants. But it would still look like quitting because, like I just said, Tom Brady leaves. You have one bad year and you're out because now you can't win without him. And that's exactly why he's going to stay. What I just said, he wants to prove he can win without Tom Brady. Not just like a I couple do think games. That's his driving factor. And not just a couple games, but he can get to the AFC Championship game and maybe even to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and maybe even win a Super Bowl, right? That. Like you just said, that is what drives him because it would drive him nuts if he went out this way in New England and Tom's having that success in Tampa of getting to the playoffs, winning a division, winning an NFC title, maybe a Super Bowl. And this is the other reason why I think he's not so quick to, to leave New England. They're going to have some high draft picks coming up, mm-hmm. especially the way they've been playing. And then I think they're going to have like – the third highest cap space or something, something very high in cap number at the end of this year. Because like he said, they went all in the last five years. They're paying the price this year, but next year that cap space opens up and it's just one down year. And so he hasn't been um, great at free agents and the draft, but still high draft picks, a lot of cap space, wants to prove he can win without Tom. No way at the end of this year is he leaving New England. Yeah, I agree. I think he's kind of stuck because of the whole Tom Brady situation because, like you said, you can't go out like this because if you go out like this, it, it's a big blow to your your all-time legacy. And he's got an ego. Yeah, he's got an ego. They all do. So I agree with you. I don't think he's leaving. And just because I think he builds winners, he doesn't join them. Like, he's not going to be like KD and go to the Warriors and then, you know, just be like that finishing like piece. I think Belichick legit likes to build teams from the ground up because I think it does play into your point about the ego. He likes the credit. And I definitely agree with you on the cap space next year and the draft picks. They will have plenty of both draft. Not really so excited about because they usually blow that anyway. But I just look at the scenarios for him to stay next year and get another quarterback once they move on from Cam Newton. Because, yes, draft is loaded. I think they can get one. They can get somebody like a Justin Fields if they're in play for Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance. Those are available. But also, I think he sees an opportunity to do something and right or wrong that happened a few years ago that he can undo and prove that he was right about. I think he can get Jimmy Garoppolo back and keep this thing going. Because Garoppolo is a perfect fit. That's why he drafted him. He already showed that he can play in Bill's system. And I think he'll stick around to get Garoppolo back just to stick it to Tom Brady. Yep, good point there. That would be exciting and kind of crazy. <laughs> um, listen, we've been talking about the Super Bowl now. And one thing, you know, I'm big on JT is holding each other accountable for our picks. All right? Yeah, he he cares so much about accountability. We had you notice he hasn't said anything about these weekend prediction records because when he was on top, I mean, you knew that like the back of your hand. I haven't heard that in weeks, but I agree with you. We do hold each other. Listen, accountable. Listen, what are we going to go ahead and ask the question? The research department hasn't been doing their job. What can I oh, say? Yeah. Budget it's cuts. Too many, too many games to go back and figure out the records at this. I point. know. Don't you hate it when that happens? So, you know, we are going to analyze our own picks now that it's midway through the season. And the one pick we want to focus on is 
revisiting our Super Bowl picks, JT, from, of course, the beginning of the season or prior to it. JT, you had Ravens versus the Buccaneers, and I had Seattle versus Kansas City. So do you believe your Super Bowl pick is in trouble? And if so, which team should be worried the most? Well, I have to say, yes, both of my picks are in trouble because there's no way the Bucs get a home playoff game now. Now, can they still go? Yeah, but, I mean, they're down 2-0 to the Saints in that division. So, I mean, the road to the Super Bowl is a little bit harder now because I know Tom thrives on home field advantage. But it's not like there's a true home field advantage, right? It's never yeah. going to be cold in Tampa. And the the Superdome probably is not going to have any fans. even Yeah, if have- but, I mean, it's, it, you, you still want to play at home. You want, you want people to come to you. You don't have to travel. But um, I'm not as worried about them. Now, the Ravens, they're the ones I'm truly worried about. And I know their play is down. Lamar has regressed. Um, they're not running the ball as well as they did past two years. Um, I think missing Marshall Yonda up front, uh, future Hall of Famer for sure, him retiring has really, really pushed the running game efficiency down. But I don't know if you saw this. I posted about it this week. Lamar Jackson went on the Rich Eisen show and basically said that opposing defenses know the offensive plays they're calling and running and they're calling them out in the huddle. That is terrible for your quarterback to come out and say in public, especially a guy like Lamar, where he's he's probably one of the true, like really good guys in the league. And you see it. So I feel like in the moment, I don't think he was trying to call anybody out, but I think he was just ask the question and just, you know, honestly answering it. You know, this is why we're struggling. This is a reason why. But that brought up something for me where I think people forgot that this was the case. How the Ravens have regressed this year and how they're playing on offense. You forget, Hallbar was on the hot seat just a couple years ago. He was about to lose his job. And what happened, he was in that lame duck season They just went to the rookie Lamar and it's been lightning in a bottle ever since. And then he got that extension. He's starting to show a little bit why he might've been on the hot seat in Baltimore. And I think it's that with maybe I'm pretty sure the league has caught up to Lamar. They have more tape on him, but just the regression all around. I just don't know how the Ravens are going to get to the playoffs and change the way that they performed the past two years, because Lamar got better as a passer last year, and that's why he won an MVP. He's not even the same level of passer he was last year. So they're definitely going to be loading the boxes and, you know, spying him in the playoffs like they did the past two years. So I'm feeling really less confident in that Ravens Super Bowl pick than I did at the beginning of the season. Well, in the words of Lizzo, I'm feeling good as hell. Right? Wow. Because okay, first of all, first of all, we... <laughs> I wasn't going to sing it. I did, wasn't going to sing it and did, make myself look that bad. Hell no. If you would have sang, I would have kicked you off the show. But um, another, one more last point, I'll let you go. Do you, you just know... stole my thunder. You just crushed my thunder. But go it ahead. needed to be done. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to be quote Lizzo on this show. Um, you know what this reminds me of, though, too? Um, it's got a little bit of a Chip Kelly vibe to it where his offense worked that first year. By the second year, they were all over it. And by the third year, it it never worked again. So I hope that's not happening. But that's the only other time I've heard where, like, the quarterback and people are saying, oh, the people on on defense are calling on our plays because they know them. Yeah. 
Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So hold on, hold on. Say the Lizzo Hopefully. quote again. I don't want to steal oh. your thunder. Nah, nah. We're sorry. Past hold on, hold on. I'll we're, say it for him. So he's gonna transition to his answer. He's feeling good as hell. Go ahead now. Well, the Chiefs are eight and one. All right, they're in the two seed division leader. Seattle six and two. They're in the division lead. All right, they're both at. They both have stud MVP type quarterbacks. Mahomes, Russell Wilson. The one thing I do worry about, though, JT, no surprise, the defense of Seattle. I thought with Carlos Dunlap and getting Jamal Adams back, they'd be a little bit more stout. Well, but, Adams has been hurt, though, so but I know what you mean. But, well, he did he not play? He in played the in the Buffalo, Buffalo game, game, but he missed, right. like, three games before. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I thought with him coming back, maybe he's still, you know, a little injury riddled. But I just thought they would play better defensively. That's where my concern is. Because, again, you got to have some sort of defense. doesn't need to be the steel curtain, but you got to have some sort of defense in the playoffs. And you being ranked 32nd, that's not going to cut it even with Russ. So uh, that's where uh, my concern is. I'll tell you what the concern with the Chiefs is. They can't run the ball. And you that's exactly what you said. When you get to the playoffs, got to be able to slow the game down, got to be able to run the ball at the end of the year. And they can't. They got to fix that ASAP. Yeah, but it, it's not terrible. So, well, it's not terrible because they got the best quarterback in the league back there right. throwing five touchdowns a game. That's and the defense isn't as bad. Right. That's so, Exactly. That's my point. That's something I think they can fix. And as Edwards, Hilaire, and Bell start to get more in a rhythm, I think that's where they'll be okay compared to the Steelers where I'm actually worried about their run game. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the Ravens? Well – I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it, but if, if I was a Baltimore fan, I'd be between a seven and an eight right now. Oh, that's that's DefCon five. All right, so we already kind of talked about uh, COVID, but we're going to talk about it at the NFL level. So NFL team owners approved the COVID nineteen contingency plan that would be enacted only if a meaningful game is canceled. So sixteen teams would make the playoffs, eight from each conference. Remember, during this past offseason, owners voted to go from six playoff teams in each conference to seven. Now, they will go to eight teams. They will go if eight teams cannot finish all their games. Do you like this move by the NFL? Well, well, they'll, they'll go to eight playoff teams if basically the league can't finish through the regular season um, in case they can't make up some games, basically. That's what they're doing. Do I like it? Listen, you know me. I've said it before. I'm all about more games. So more playoff teams means more games. I liked going from six to seven. But seven to eight right now does bother me, JT. And while that's still or, – or I'm sorry. If, if you're going seven to eight prior to the season, that wouldn't bother me because that's still half of the, the league, the top half gets in which I think that's really what the playoffs are about. Can you get in the top half and then have a tournament? Now, what I don't like about this, though, is it's midseason. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and it's not even definitive, right? Like it's, oh, if we can't finish or if certain teams can't finish playing all 16 games, like what does that even mean? Am I in? Am I out? I don't know. So like teams do not know. Like this is like switching midstream and – 
Teams can't plan for the playoffs properly. They can't plan for next season. They can't really prepare the way they should. Like, are they, should they have been buyers at the trade deadline or sellers? Like, are guys they're picking up going to play in the playoffs now? Or do they just need guys to fill out the roster to finish the year? Like, right now, I don't like that. Because I want to know what I'm playing for. And if you can't tell me it's seven or eight right now, then, then let's just stick with seven. I agree with everything you just said. And to me, it's definitely interesting because it kind of has like March Madness vibes to it. Like, you know, just more teams in there. I like it. Definitely think this could backfire because of the NFC East. But um, other than that, I agree with everything you said. It's going to get tricky down the stretch. So you, you said it well. I'm not even going to debate you on that one. Hey, we finally agree. Took took the topic number six. All right. Well, moving on. Anything man. to get him to uh, shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. I'll take it. All right. So let's let's turn our attention to some NBA now because it was in the in the headlines uh this week, JT. The NBA and the NBA Players Association announced this past Monday that the season will be 72 games, and the first games will start. December 22nd with the finals still ending in June at some point. So what are your thoughts on this schedule and the start date as well as just what you, what do you expect from the NBA this season? As a fan, I expect it to be fun because I'll be getting basketball, but this is always something that they were going to have to do because you have to have an inconvenient short season to get the ultimate, ultimately get the calendar that's normally for the NBA back on track. So their goal is to get this shortened season done so they can start on time like they would normally do in 2021. So the players are going to be exhausted. I know they're not too happy about this, but this is what's going to have to be done or the, the schedule for basketball is going to be forever changed. Two things I am interested to see what happens because um, it's shortened season, obviously, and it's going to be condensed. Two things I'm interested in. How do they handle back-to-backs? as far as, you know, like where they're going to place them in the schedule. Also, I'm interested to see how teams load manage because less games, which means the back-to-backs are going to be closer, which means teams are going to load manage more. I wonder how much that's going to water down the regular season. Yeah, so I understand why they're doing this, but I'm not thrilled with it. But you know, they have to do this. If they don't, if no, they no. don't get the season on track, then it's never going to be normal again. Well, let me let me explain why I don't think they necessarily need to panic like that. The players need their rest, and I understand not everyone played, but the normal time span would be late June and then start late September. Here, you're finishing, and we're talking about training camp late September, right? Now you're finishing late September, like October 1st, training camp starting like right after Thanksgiving or something like that's two months compared to three. And some of these guys played a lot of games and a lot of minutes in a short time period because they didn't have the travel rest that they normally would get. So you've shortened the off season by a month for a lot of those guys. And then two, the other thing is, you could have started after New Year's. You know why they want to start December 22nd? Because they want to get their Christmas games in because it's a big ratings day and they got to get their money, right? Like, again, Ooh, you're not you looking. The conspiracy theories. Didn't see that one coming. No, you're not looking at the player safety. Yeah, of and, course. And the other thing is, 
I believe you should have started after the new year, probably mid-January. That would have given them their normal time. And listen, it didn't matter if you played a 50-game season or a 70 or an 82. There's always going to be load management. Kawhi's always going to sit a bunch. Oh, Kawhi going to sit a third right? of the games regardless. <laughs> exactly. He could have sit, a, he sit a, a third of the healthy games. <laughs> That's going to happen. Exactly. So – why not? This is the perfect opportunity to do it. It seemed like the owners were on board because they were already willing to miss 10 games. Start in mid-January. Forget the Christmas games. Mid-January, you go into July, all right, and you still can have your 70 games, maybe 66 or so. You go into July. The next offseason is a little bit longer, and you start in December because that's really what the NBA schedule has got to start to come down to. Start in December end in July. That's Mm -hmm. really because you're still getting all of the ratings. In fact, you'll get more because late October and November, there's still football, college football on. Guess what? College football is over by Christmas except for bowl games, which people don't watch most of them except the college playoffs or if their team's in the bowl game. Perfect for the NBA. That's really – this was their chance to get that schedule right on. Start in mid-December – finish in July, but this year's a little different. They should have given a little bit longer off season because of the pandemic. That's yeah, just- so, so two things we agree on. It's going to be grueling and Kawhi is still going to sit out his games. <laughs> yep. All right. So on that note, let's go to the NBA draft because it is actually upcoming this Wednesday, November 18th. So be ready for that. It kind of snuck up on us, JT, but I know you want to talk about this, and I do too. I'm so glad you brought this up in the production meeting because I think it's a really interesting question because it's really, uh, I think, possibly a tough one to answer. Who do you have going in picks one through five? It is tough because the team at the top, Minnesota, they don't need any of these players. (laughs) Like, they don't wow. need these positions. Listen, hold on. They hold need on, them. No, no, hold on. Hold on. They, they need, need the players. players. They, they would not be in this play- position if they didn't they, need them. Yeah, they need the players, but they don't need the positions at the top. Like, it's really tough. I honestly think that somebody's going to trade up to the top. So, I'm going to give you my my rundown from one to five, but I want to throw in a caveat that I think a trade is going to happen at number one, and I think it's going to be someone you don't expect. And Orlando I, Magic? Like it, Orlando Magic? It, no, no, no. I actually think I could see the Thunder moving up to number one and giving up their pick and somebody like a Shea Gilgis Alexandra to get LaMelo Ball. So that, if a trade happens, I think something like that will happen. And then, of course, everything that I'm going to say right now is going to be thrown out of whack. But let's just say NBA trades are hard to predict. Let's just say everything stays the same. This is how I have it. I think the Wolves are going to take Anthony Edwards at number one. I think he's the safest option out of everyone. Uh, two, I think the Warriors take James Wiseman. Uh, to me, I, I think that's a no-brainer decision for them. They need a big man that can play. Uh, Lamella Ball falls to number three to the Hornets. My favorite guy in this draft goes at number four, uh, Denny Avinja from Israel. He goes to the Bulls. And then I don't like this pick, but this seems like a pick that the Cavs would make. I know you like this guy. Uh, I'll be topping uh, forward from Dayton goes to the Cavs. JT, that's exactly what I got. The same order? Same order. Cool. On nope. the Cincinnati. It nope. will be blown up by by Wednesday, two nope. minutes into the draft. The only difference, I think Minnesota might mess up our our picks 
because I think they're going to feel the pressure of taking the ball. ball. But they should go Anthony Edwards because you got D'Angelo Russell, right? Yeah, you don't you got, need it. You got Russell, and yeah. you got Malik and, Beasley, who I think is good, and he's proven. D'Angelo Russell's proven. I know there's a lot of excitement with always taking young guys, but like I always say, there's a lot of risk there too. And Lamelo, I don't know if he's a short thing. I'm not saying he's not. Well, also too, I will say this: um, if you already I, got D'Angelo. I saw Woj said that Lamelo held like an unsanctioned. Uh, personal workout for three teams today. I think it was the Pistons, the Warriors, and somebody else, and the Wolves were not a part of that workout. So that's why – and I keep hearing that there's going to be this slide that's coming for LaMelo. He hasn't been that great in, you know, the workouts that he's had so far. I, everything just feels like a Michael Porter type of slide. I know it's not the same situation with the injury, but it just feels like everybody on the outside says LaMelo's the best because we know him. But I think teams, like, internally are like, you know what, we feel comfortable with some of these other guys, and I think you're going you're gonna to see a slide. But to me, I think he would be the top prospect, but it's just so hard to call it. Well, I, I want to throw this in. I think R.J. Hampton might be the super sleeper in this draft, and I'm hoping he falls or kind of stays, yep, stays in that magic, the magic so they So they can take – some guy that only plays defense and has no other skill set. But and go then, ahead. And then RJ Hampton goes right after them and becomes an all-star. All right. So I know baseball is over, but I know we can't get away without talking about the Astros. So early this week, uh, former Astros GM Jeff Lunau sued the team for breach of contract as he's seeking – 22 million dollars in lost salary which is the amount of his guaranteed salary in his now terminated contract thoughts on him suing the astros damn they can't catch a break well he's also well his conspiracy here is that the astros fired him because they made a deal with major league baseball to do so in order to keep the world series title that's what he's that's what he's that's what he's claiming now, in the MLB report, it stated that he was um, – there was evidence that Lunau had some knowledge of what was going on. And you know me. I always tell you, JT, I think the guys at the top, especially the executives, general managers, VPs, should be held to the highest standard of anyone, all right? More so than the players, even more so than the coaches because top-down, right? Top-down. As Belichick says, that's how it goes, right? The top, the coaches, the players, they're going to get that vibe from the executives. Hey. As uh, Julius Campbell would say. Attitude reflects leadership, captain. There we go. So he didn't read all the emails. And he even admitted to that. Oh, I should have went and read all the emails and I probably would have known what was going on. Guess what? That's on you, Jeff Now That is on you. You've got to take the fall for it. All right. And to me, suing doesn't help your chance to land another job in Major League Baseball. If that's what you really want, you want that or the money and like focus on getting back in the game. A.J. Hinch has done it. Cora has done it. Now, I'm not saying those guys definitely should have gotten another job so soon, but they were able to do it. But they played I, the game. They, they did what they had to do. They, they took the villain role and then, you know, they just. Bided their time and get back in. They fell on the sword. Exactly. Right? Now this might end up just settling. He doesn't get all twenty-two. He gets half of it, a quarter of it, whatever. But 
man, like, just move on. Get with the next team. I can't imagine there's not one team out there that wants to at least take a chance on you as a special assistant to the GM. Yeah, you know, that's how troublemakers stay in any sports league. You're special something. Oh, he's a special coordinator to the draft room. Like, what the hell does that mean? But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, he must really know that there's no shot of him getting at least back level of earning. It's hard to say, you know, I'm not going to fight for my $22 million because that's a lot of money. Why did he do it right after it happened if, if uh, you have that much conviction of it? I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe that phone, those emails saying like, hey, you know, once this all blows over, come work for us. They ain't coming in like they are for his buddies. So he might think this 22 mil is his last, you know, chance to grab some cash. Can't fault the guy for fighting for his money, but it does seem, mis you know, the timing of this does seem suspicious. And I mean, if you're the fall guy and you had opportunity to see that there was collusion, you did nothing about it, then you got caught sleeping. That's on you. So, well. I, I, I'm I'm torn between this because if it were me and it was 22 billion and my name's getting dragged through the mud, I'd probably be out there fighting too. Yeah, but then sue for something else. I mean, sue, if, sue for, if if you truly believe that, then not I'm only on breach the, of not only breach of contract. Now I know this is very difficult to prove usually, especially with a public figure, but go defamation if if that's what it's really about. But I think here. That's a lot of money to give up. And I think you're right. Maybe he's realizing his time is not coming. Yeah. So those, he, <laughs> those this is a revenge. Coming. This is a revenge. Get my 22 mil while I can. This is a revenge. Uh -huh. or, or you know well, what, JT? It's kind of funny that you bring that up because it does coincide with AJ Hinch and Cora, right? Yeah, exactly. So maybe he he's like, wait, what about me? Even though Carlos Beltran, of all of them, maybe – I, that's another discussion, but you know he he didn't get quite the the fair shake in a sense. But anyway, all right. So I let's digress. let's go from talking about things that we will never see, like twenty two million dollars, to things that we will see, like week ten of the NFL. So we do this every we show. Hope. We hope. <laughs> nah, we ain't getting there. <laughs> week ten NFL preview. He no, I'm might saying get there. We, we hope week ten, right? We hope yeah. week ten. Yeah, because you never know with with COVID going on. Right? Nah, NFL is proving they ain't canceling shit. <laughs> They're trudging uh, along. So we do this every week. Let's look ahead to week ten. Uh, what are your storylines and your games you're most looking forward to? Man, there was so many I wanted to pick here, JT. But I'll, I'm oh, gonna... compared to last week when you didn't want, well, the week before when you didn't want to pick anything, and there was a ton of good games. I don't, I don't know. That was last week, and eh. like I've got three Buccaneers, Panthers. I want to see how the Buccaneers bounce back because this Pretty is a big game. Shred them. <laughs> if they lose this game, JT, then I would be worried if I was the Buccaneers. Brady, Brady is about to put up five touchdowns on the Panthers. <laughs> uh. This is kind of a funny one, but it's a series at the same time. Eagles versus Giants, because this could go a long way to determining the NFC East champion, because I don't know if anyone has faith in the Cowboys. Washington, uh, I like – They just I liked, lost Kyle Allen, and that's, yeah, a big, that's a big loss. I was going to say I like the Alex Smith story, but I don't know if he yeah, can do He don't it. look right. So, yeah. Um, so – this is it. I think one of these two teams might end up winning the division. And this game is not going to be as easy as people think because they already played the Eagles and the Giants, and the yep. Giants should have won that game if your boy Evan Ingram catches that ball at the end of the game. 
Why is he my boy all of us? Like, I would never Every, talk Everybody about that him. makes a mistake is your boy. Haven't you re- realized that by now? Yeah. Last game, Seahawks versus Rams. If the Rams win, all right, and the Cardinals can beat Buffalo, you're going to have a three-way tie at the top in the NFC West at 6-3, and three, JT. So mm. a very important game, obviously for both teams. But I think this will go a long way and telling us about Seattle because if they lose the, hit the panic button in Seattle. Yeah. I actually, of course you can't get away from that game this week. So I'm just going to start there. Yeah. The Rams at the Seahawks, uh, two good NFC West teams fighting for the division lead. Um, I want to, this also will tell me if the Rams defense is for real. Cause I feel they get the hype of being for real because they got Ramsey and Donald, but that's really all they got. So if they can't slow down Russ and he cooks, it says more about me about the Rams long-term than it does about the Seahawks because Seahawks, like you said, they're they're getting new pieces. They're getting healthier on defense. But at the end of the day, like, Russ is still Russ. Like, he's not going to have a, you know, Jekyll and Hyde situation like Jared Goff. This game going to tell me a lot more about the Rams than it does about the Seahawks. Uh, another game I'm looking at, Monday Night Football, Bears and Vikings. Big division game because I think, people are just not aware this division is way more competitive than I, than I think people realize like the Vikings are doing well as of late. The bears are still have a winning record despite looking terrible on the field. And I think the Packers have kind of come back down to earth a little bit. So this game is a big game. And I just want to see, can Dalvin cook, keep it up and run wild against the bears defense. That's an interesting matchup. Um, Buffalo versus Arizona. Uh, really really good game i think this will probably be the highest scoring game of the week got two quarterbacks kyler murray and josh allen they're going to use this game to submit their argument for being league mvp and i think you're going to see those two put on the show this week and then last but not least i want to see can my miami dolphins get six wins by by beating the chargers because you know if it comes down to a last minute play the dolphins got this in the bag because the chargers can't win close games that's true. It doesn't matter who the coach is, who the quarterback doesn't is. Doesn't matter what the scenario is. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't I matter what the, city, the, their team, whether San Diego or LA. I trust the Falcons to hold on to a big league in the fourth quarter more than I do the Chargers winning the close game. Yikes. That's not saying much either. Wow. Because the Chargers always lose. I know. Wow. Close game, no matter what. At least the Falcons have proved maybe 15% of the time they can hold on to a big fourth quarter league. But yeah. the Chargers, automatic. Two things that are automatic in sports. Chargers losing a close game and Jim Harbaugh not winning a game that he's not favored in. <laughs> wow. I, I like all those games. I, I didn't talk about them, but they're obviously ones that I'm going to be watching too. You're um, watching all the games. What's that? You're going to watch all the games. I know. That's what I said. I, th- those are ones that I'll be watching as well. So uh, definitely, definitely. So an exciting week 10 in the NFL for sure. So stay tuned and be in tuned with it. So that'll transition us to our, and I think everyone's favorite segment, really weekend predictions, JT. Um, what was your record last week? Do you know? We didn't the- pick last week. Exactly. Two weeks ago, do you know what your record was? Do you know what it was? Because you're no. supposed to be the stat man. No. So, see, you haven't been that concerned either. So I wasn't the, the one that was concerned with the records in the first place. Why not? 
I'm not weekend, the gloater. You are. Weekend predictions. All right, let's start with college. Probably the biggest game, I think, this weekend. Notre Dame at Boston College. Who you got? Got to go with Notre Dame and Ian Book. Wow. I'm going BC. BC. 1993 all over again, JT. Oh, Lord. They come off the big win at home against the number one team undefeated. Now they got to play Boston College. All right. Yep. Yep. All right. BC's not that bad either. Wisconsin at Michigan. I know it's not a huge game, but it's the the Saturday night game. Big Ten. Who you got? Is there is Wisconsin's quarterback going to play in this game? Because I know he had like a COVID situation. Uh, I mean, at this point, I, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, you're asking questions again that you didn't prepare the research department. Well, I just for. thought about it. I, I I pick Wisconsin, but I think I'm gonna go Michigan just to play it safe. I'm going to go Michigan as well. I think everyone's probably thinking Wisconsin wins. Michigan hasn't looked good. I feel like they'll look good for this game. Switching to the NFL, Buffalo at Arizona, a game you mentioned earlier. Got, I got to go with the team I picked to make the playoffs as a sleeper team. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. I think traveling across the country for the Bills, they're going to have the reverse effect what happened to Russ when he went to visit them last weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Arizona as well. I think Buffalo is not going to be able to run enough. And Kyler, listen, that Buffalo defense. Not as good as people thought it was going to be. Exactly. And Arizona will take advantage of that. Another game you mentioned, Chargers at Dolphins. I kind of have an idea who you're going to take. Oh, fence, because this game is going to be close and the Chargers are going to blow it. And they're on the road, early 1 o'clock game. South Florida, all the recipes for disaster. And a rookie quarterback. You know what? I'm going to go Chargers because at some point. They got to break the curse. Not only that, but I feel like Tua's gotten off to a way too good, easy start. Not easy, but too good of a start here where you got to come back. You got to regress a little bit in the NFL. Justin Herbert's got to regress. Talking about too good of a start for a rookie. Damn, but he the, looking like Mahomes. But the difference is the Dolphins' defense. Let's let's be fair. The Dolphins' defense has greatly assisted in those victories. The last yeah, two I mean weeks. they've been it's been at, a team effort so at far. At some yeah. point that that doesn't happen every game. Gotta so, trust. Gotta trust my boys at home. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Chargers. Uh, a game we both talked about. I struggled picking one here. I did not. Seahawks at Rams. Seahawks. I'm, it's, it's Russ. I think Russ is going to be the absolute difference in this game. Man, I hate doing this because I don't think I've done it all year yet. You going against them? You There's s- something about the Rams at home in this game. I don't trust Seattle right now. I trust Russ, but we've seen it needs to be a full team effort. Rams are going to get ready. Are they not coming off the bye week? They're much more fresh than Seattle. I'm going Rams. Got to say it. I'm going Rams. You're going to regret that, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, bring it up next episode if you remember. So to finish out the show, JT, I'll give you a break. No trivia time, but we're going to do shout outs real quick. Who you got? Um, I want to shout out Bill's Mafia. So the Bill's fans donated, I think it was over $200,000 to a local children's hospital in honor of quarterback Josh Allen's Lakes grandmother who passed away uh the saturday before the game so um shout out to bill's mafia uh showing you know it's a good community they love their quarterback and josh allen actually you know felt overwhelmed with support uh he said that you know seeing this from the fans made him want to stay in buffalo for the rest of his career so uh shout out to bill's mafia looking out for their team 
Great job by Bills Mafia. JT, this is a special shout-out, and don't let it get to your head, but a shout-out, ladies and gentlemen, to JT Jimmy Thompson. Happy birthday this week. The big, what, 36, I believe. Damn, so JT. You're not supposed to reveal the elder's age. Eh, we already know. Elders? No I'm got, older than you. you I'm no allowed manners. to do that. Well, that's your that's your business. If you want to tell people that, that's on you. I'm allowed to do I'm allowed to do that though, because I'm I'm older than <laughs> all serious. I'm allowed you, to do that. All seriousness, thank you. I appreciate it. You did tell me you had like you had a shout out. Did not think you were going this way. So I legit legitimately was surprised. All right. Well, happy birthday. I know you had a had a great day, even though we're in the midst of a pandemic and you really couldn't do anything. But again, happy birthday, man. Always a pleasure doing the show with you. I'm lucky to have you as as a partner on this uh, on this show. I so, appreciate it until he until he tries to talk crap about me on the next show. But I'll I'll take hey, this br- this brief peace treaty. There you go. Until the next episode, right? So JT, on that note, let's wrap up the show with that. Um, listeners, fans, thank you again for always listening and supporting us. JT, great job today. And to the fans, please subscribe to us. JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And also follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.